Christ of the book. And this morning we're going to be finishing up what we started two weeks ago, uh, the book of Hebrews. Uh, now, you need to understand that Hebrews is a book that absolutely, positively needs a verse-by-verse study. And so at some point this year, we're going to do that probably on a Wednesday night because we need to understand exactly what the book of Hebrews is all about. The book of Hebrews is to the kingdom believers what the book of Romans is to us, the church, the body of Christ. So just as we need to understand Romans to understand doctrinal truth for us today, we need to understand the book of Hebrews as it relates to those kingdom believers, those who were expecting, those who were looking for the Messiah to return and to establish His kingdom on earth. In the book of Hebrews, Christ is the author of eternal salvation. As we look through that, uh, the book of, of Hebrews, the types and the comparisons are absolutely glorious. The types that we find in the book of Hebrews are so important to understanding God's program purpose for the nation of Israel. The book of Hebrews is an explanation to the Jews, that little flock that are waiting for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. It is written to those who were zealous of the law, those that James preached to, those of the circumcision, uh, those that believed the Old Testament Messiah was to suffer as a, as a man, but a incarnate one. God in the flesh. See, that was the problem for Israel's rejection when Christ Jesus came, declaring himself to be the Christ, came declaring himself to be God. The religious leaders wanted to stone him each and every time he would declare himself to be the Son of God, when he de declared himself to be equal with God, when he declared himself to be God. When he said, I and the Father are one, that for all practical purposes was signed his death warrant. Because that was a stumbling block to the nation of Israel concerning the Messiah. See, they didn't fully understand that the Messiah the chosen one, the anointed of God, the one that the Old Testament prophets had declared was coming, was going to be God himself. It was there, and that's pretty much what the book of Hebrews is all about, going through the reality of that truth, that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. He is God and he is better. He is better. And the author lays it out. And we don't know who the author of the book of Hebrews is. The Holy Spirit does not tell us. We have our suspicion, but I'm not even going to 
go into that. When we do the, when we study the book of Hebrews, we'll talk about um, all the uh, the evidence, external and internal evidences of who the author is. But for this study this morning, that's that's not important who the author is. By the way, if it if it were important, the Holy Spirit would have declared declared that the people who Hebrews was written to, which Hebrews was written to Hebrews, written to Hebrews, written to, to Jews, uh, they understood, and we'll see that when we get to Hebrews chapter 13, they knew who the author was, but the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us who the author of the book of Hebrews is. But the thing that is done in this book is it declares that Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Messiah, who is the anointed of God, he is better in every way. He's better than the angels. And the book of Hebrews describes that, discusses that. He is better than the prophets. He is better than Moses. What? If you're Jewish and you, and you hear that, you read that, that's an indication that Jesus of Nazareth was absolutely someone special. The book of Hebrews goes through the fact he's better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. His priesthood, the book of Hebrews bears out. His priesthood is superior to the priesthood of Aaron. What? Because that was extremely important to the nation of Israel as Aaron represented his sons, the high priest. And when you stop and think about the fact that the Messiah they were looking was to be king, and God's word bears out that Christ was to be the king from the tribe of Judah. That's the, the king tribe. Uh, he was indeed a prophet based on what he said. But how does he fit in as a high priest? Well, the book of Hebrews declares that because his priesthood is superior to that of Aaron because he is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. You go, who's Melchizedek? We're going to talk about that in a second. That's what the book of Hebrews explains. That's what the Hebrew bears out. It endorses the fact that Jesus of Nazareth indeed is the Messiah, could be the Messiah, it is keeping with what the prophets declared concerning the, the Messiah. And again, the book of Hebrews is to those seeking, looking for, hoping for the kingdom to be established. That The book of Hebrews is exactly what the book of Romans is to us, the church, the body of Christ. But not only was his priesthood superior, his sacrifice was better. His sacrifice was more efficient. Look at Hebrews 10 4. Hebrews 10 4.
Hebrews 10.4 For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Do you realize what that statement is saying to those Hebrews who had practiced the sacrifices, the rituals, had faith in those who counted themselves faithful as they exercised and they carried out those practices, trusted in that, and now realizing that all of those sacrifices, according to this, were deficient? That's what it says. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Look at 9, Hebrews 9, 11. That would be startling. But Christ, being come high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once unto the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The whole explanation of the book of Hebrews is that Christ's sacrifice is far better. It is not deficient. It is absolutely sufficient in accomplishing what the priesthood of Aaron could not accomplish. What was one of the highlights of Aaron's job when he would go in to the Holy of Holies? And not just Aaron, but then his sons and his sons after that, and that line of Levitical priesthood and the high priest would go in once, and that was it? Or was it an annual sacrifice that had to be made? Constantly, constantly. And see, the whole book of Hebrews is saying, that's so with Christ. He is the Messiah. His sacrifice, once and for all, as the high priest, he is after the order of Melchizedek. Look at verse uh, Hebrews 9, uh, Verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Drop down to verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. By the way, when the Hebrews would offer sacrifices of bulls and goats and sheep and whatever the sacrifice called for. 
The point of the matter is the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sin. But it was an act of faith on their part that a holy, righteous God acknowledged that they were doing what he prescribed, what he said they had to do. So that's what made those sacrifices acceptable because they were doing it by faith. Now they couldn't have said, you know what, that's just so bloody, we're not going to do that this time. Uh, That would have been a big no-no. But because they were offering these sacrifices, because the blood of bulls and goats, that can't accomplish anything. Except they were doing it as God prescribed, by faith, trusting Him. And so, it was doing exactly what God said it would do if they offered it by faith. And the whole book of Hebrews is, you don't need to do that anymore. Matter of fact, we're going to look at Hebrews 10 again in just a second and, and point something out about that. But look at verse 28. Well, so with verse 25. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters into the holy place every year without blood of uh, uh, every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, by the way, they thought they were at the end of the age. They thought that they were at the end. They thought that the kingdom was about to be established. But now, once in the end of the age, or end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You see the explanation that was going on here in Hebrews for those that were scratching their heads, for those who were wavering in belief or unbelief, for those who had by faith believed that Christ was the Messiah. This was an explanation of what was going on. This was the next phase of all of those truths that the prophets had foretold. Christ's earthly ministry came fulfilling those. His death, burial, resurrection fulfilling those. The offer of the kingdom fulfilling all of those. This is now taking it to the next phase of this little little flock. Verse 27. And as it is, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Who this is being written to. They were looking for the second coming of the Messiah. They were looking for the second coming of Christ. They had no idea about the rapture. That's what we're looking for, dude. That's our mystery exit. They they were looking for the Messiah coming back to do what? To establish his kingdom on earth. How absolutely glorious, how truthful, how wonderful that expectation was for them. Because it is the kingdom, that thousand-year period after the tribulation, that is called a time of refreshing or a time of rest. And that was God's invitation to Israel to enter into his 
his rest. Then the book of Hebrews was written in about 54 A.D. And what's, what's interesting about that, it was, it, the timing of it was written during that transition between Christ being offered on, on Calvary's cross and the temple being destroyed and that offer of the kingdom being withdrawn, or actually earlier than that, but Israel being blinded temporarily, Israel being set aside, that special revelation that was given to the Apostle Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, who is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, that special revelation concerning the church, the body of Christ, which had been a mystery until it was relieved, uh, revealed to Apostle Paul. We're looking forward to the rapture. We're part of that special revelation. We're part, we're part of that offer to the Gentiles and to Jews to believe. And when we believe, we're made part not of a nation, but of a body with Christ being the glorified, exalted head. That's a totally different program. Now, here they are in the middle of that transition period. And what's interesting is we call it a transition they didn't call it a transition. They didn't know it was a transition. They knew that something else was going on. Even Peter, when he wrote to, to those that were scattered, he talked about even as our brother, our dear brother Paul has written to us, things that are hard to be understood. What Paul was saying was startling. It was here, the, James was talking about the fact. Uh, in, in, his, in his book, things totally different from what the Apostle Paul was teaching and preaching. Even when the Apostle Paul went to James there in Jerusalem, and James was saying, saying look at all of these who believe, believe that Christ was the Messiah, and they are zealous of the law. They were still believing, hoping for the kingdom to be established. They were zealous of the law. They were still holding out for the kingdom. Paul had already written that you're not under the law, you're under grace. He'd already written those truths. So what in the world was going on? There was, there was a, a, during this transition, it is absolutely imperative that we understand that there were two programs going on simultaneously in order to understand the Word and not to confuse it. I'm going to tell you in a second why it's important that we not confuse. The main reason is because you need to know which gospel to preach. You need to, you need to know which plan of salvation to declare. That, that in itself makes it pretty serious, right? Makes it important. But see, they didn't know that they were in a, tra a transition. It's now, hindsight's 2020. We, we know, we had the completed Word of God. We know what happened after that. But in 54 AD, they're still looking for Christ's return. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on, and, and the Gentiles, why? They're, they're coming to know Christ, and they are doing some of the same things. Well, they are doing the same things that, that, the, that were signs to Israel. 
they're speaking in tongues, they're healing, they're, they're casting out demons, they're doing all the things that were signs and wonders to prove to the nation of Israel that God was at work. And here are these Gentiles, fortunately we have in Romans chapter uh, 9 that Paul writes that all of that was going on in order to provoke Israel to jealousy. That was, that was why that was happening. But it came a time when uh, God is going to blind Israel. God's not working through Israel today. He's not working through a nation today. He's working through the church, the body of Christ. God is no respecter of persons today. He was a respecter of persons when he was dealing with Israel. Were they his chosen people? Yes. Was he working through the nation of Israel? Yes. Did they have special promises to them? Yes. Will those promises be fulfilled? Absolutely. That's what Romans 11 is all about, that God is going to carry out these promises. But right now they're blinded. And this blindness was happening during this transition. But they didn't know it was a transition. They just kept preaching. They kept sharing. And that's what the book of Hebrews is doing. They were being instructed as to what is prophecies were being fulfilled and how Christ the Messiah is fulfilling those promises. As a matter of fact, Right before Christ ascended, and it fits here perfectly, just so you kind of understand, as Christ is getting ready to ascend, he spent 40, 40 days with them after the resurrection. As a matter of fact, let's just go there. Look at Acts chapter 1. Folks, you just it's imperative that we rightly divide the word of truth to understand the difference between prophecy and mystery, to understand what Hebrews teaches the Hebrews and what the Pauline epistles teach the church, the body of Christ. But it tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled, verse 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which was what happened on the day of Pentecost. That was the promise of the, the Father the empowering by the Holy Spirit to prepare them for what was next on the prophetic agenda, and that was the tribulation period. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 6. That's the verse I wanted to get to. Verse 6. When they... Therefore, were come together, they ask of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? That's what was on their mind. That's what was on their heart. That's what they looked for. That's what the promise of the fathers was. That's what the promise of the prophets were all about. 
that kingdom being established. John the Baptist, Christ himself, came preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know why? Because the king was at hand. The good news of that time was the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Chapter 2 of Hebrews. We got finished with chapter 1 last week. Or almost. But I want us to look at chapter 2 with all the things that were just said. Chapter 2 is all about this letter to the Hebrews, to the remnant, to the flock, not to neglect the salvation that they were offered and the danger of neglecting that salvation. Boy, how true is that? How true is that? Verse 1, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip or drift away from us. Concentrate on the things they'd heard. Concentrate on the things they'd been told. Concentrate, focus on those important things concerning Christ Jesus the Messiah. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast or certain, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. First of all, tells us that the author here is not Peter. The author of the book of Hebrews can't be any of the apostles. Because this truth, whoever the writer is, he wasn't there to get it from the Lord Jesus himself. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? By those that heard him, by those who were there, they told us this truth. So whoever the author is, he's passing that truth on. But how shall we escape? Turn to Luke 21. Because things that were spoken by the Lord at the first, Luke 21, look at verse 36. I think this ties in with what the author is talking about here. How shall you, how shall you neglect? We neglect if we, if we neglect such an important salvation. Luke 21, verse 34. And take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that that day comes upon you unaware. For as a snare shall it come, this is the Lord Jesus speaking, by the way, for as a, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. But watch you therefore... And pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all those things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That escape is important. 
The word escape is important. And the Lord Jesus was warning them about that at the beginning. Look at Matthew 23. Matthew 23. Verse 37. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? What salvation was they talking about here? Look at verse 37 of Matthew 23. I think this fits that offer. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that kills the prophets and stones them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, but you would not. You know what another word for you would not is? Neglect. You neglect that truth. You neglect that offer. Christ comes and says, How often I would have gathered you, but you would not come. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? Look at Matthew 4. What did the Lord first began to be spoken by him? Look at Matthew 4. Start with verse 17. Matthew 4, 17. And from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Drop down to verse 23. And Jesus went all about all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing all manner of diseases and all manner of disease of sickness and all manner of disease among the people and his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and beyond Jordan. The chapter 5, he goes into the Beatitudes. Blessed are those, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom. It's all about what's coming with the kingdom. That's what Christ began preaching at the first. How shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? Verse 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles, with various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His will. See, their, their faith was not just an empty, blind faith. Their faith had signs and wonders and things going on that gave them absolute proof, positive, that what was going on was the work of the Holy Spirit, was the work of God. How absolutely important that is. Bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with miracles all of these things should have been, a, well, it was a sign that God provided for them to know that this was God at work. You talk about a loving God. You're talking about a merciful God. You're talking about a gracious God dealing with these 
sin-hardened, hard-hearted people. And he gave them all these miracles and wonders. But it's also in the book of Hebrews. Look at Hebrews 6. Just, just for you to understand. That here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship, we believe absolutely in the eternal security of the believer. You cannot lose your salvation. There is nothing you can do in order to separate yourself from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You have been sealed until the day of redemption. Now you may say, what does that have to do with what you're about to read? According to these Hebrews who had all these signs and wonders, let me tell you something. If all of a sudden... And I know I've said this before, and Derek and Diana don't mind me using them for an example. But under the kingdom program, under the kingdom uh, uh, offer that was going on, why, uh, I could have walked down here, I could have laid my hands on Derek, my hands on Diana, and their sight would have been returned to them. And all of you out there would have gone, Praise God. Praise God. That would have been a sign. But there was a price to that. Look at verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 6. Yes, they had those signs, that they had those wonders. This is how we know that the book of Hebrews is not written to the church, the body of Christ, which nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus that we know that we have been baptized into the body of Christ, sealed into the day of redemption. Look at verse 4. For, and a lot of people take this and go, see here, see here, you can lose your salvation. They could, you can't. But it's because they had all of these signs as verification, and they were basically rejecting all of these signs. So I got news for you. I will take simple faith believing and trusting. That's the faith that honors God. That's the faith that pleases Him over any of these sign gifts. I don't need that kind of evidence to believe that God can. And that's the, that's the faith that pleases God. But look at verse 6, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 4. For it is impossible... For those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift. What was the heavenly gift? On the day of Pentecost, when they were empowered by the Holy Spirit that had that ability. And have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. That's a tough doctrinal position. If this to defend if this is under grace. 
look, look at Hebrews 10. Uh, we may have to extend Hebrews one more time. Maybe not. Ten twenty six. Look at Hebrews ten twenty six. Who's this letter being written to? Hebrews, the Jews, those that were looking for the kingdom. For if we sin willfully, now I got news for you. I have sinned willfully. That may come to a surprise, as a surprise to every one of you but faith. But I have sinned willfully. I'm sorry for it. I regret it. Praise God for the forgiveness that we have in Christ. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Now, I, I wish we could do this verse by verse because that carries with it a, 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 a deeper meaning. I think that sacrifice for sins that uh, has, was talking about the animal sacrifice, that those animal sacrifices they were offering, that they, they, they're not going to do you a bit of good. You know the truth. You know that Christ is the Messiah. You know that He is the, the true one. He is the Savior. He is the author of eternal salvation. And you willfully go out and sin. Don't bring your animal sacrifices here. That's what that's talking about. But do you see the importance of rightly dividing the word and embracing the fact that we are members of the body of Christ, not spiritual Israel, because they have different marching orders than what we have. Chapter 3 talks about the fact, well, but or chapter, back to chapter 2 real quick. Verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory. See, if he had come as an angel, he couldn't have died for us. But coming as us, he could die. That's what they're pointing out here. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. See, it was always God's plan. It was always God's purpose that man be reconnected to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to the Jew first, and then he said, we'll not have this man to reign over us. Over and over and over will not have this man to reign over us. So God in His infinite mercy and His grace didn't go, oh man, I blew it. Wow, why didn't I think of this before? Because before the foundation of the world, it was God's plan and purpose to redeem all men to Himself via the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. I think the gospel of Christ covers every, every dispensation. The good news of Christ is He takes care of all of it. And that is, that is another topic that we need to look at one of these days. Well, there's so much more there. Chapter 3 talks about 
the superiority of Moses, how important that is. Chapter 4 is an invitation to enter into his rest. And that whole doctrine of rest has to do with the keeping of the Sabbath and entering his Sabbath rest. That was the whole purpose of the Sabbath. It goes back to Exodus 31, 17, how that is absolutely, positively between God and the nation of Israel. I didn't. You go back and look at Exodus 31, 17. It's what the Sabbath is. It's what it's a type of. That's the purpose, is entering into that rest that he invites them to do. That's chapter 4. But chapter 4, verse 12. Got to say this before we go through. You can trust your Bible. You can trust your Bible. There will never be a discovery. There will never be anything that anybody comes up with that says you can, well, they may say you can disregard it, but there will never be a time when this will not stand the test of time. There will never be a time when man can destroy this word. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive. It's alive. And it works in your heart and in your mind. That's why I can stand up here and know my limitations in delivery and in logic and presenting anything, but I can do it with confidence because God's Word will not return into Him void. i got to tell you, there have been times that I've walked off the platform here and going, oh, man, that was bad. That was bad. As a matter of fact, it was not that long ago I did. And, and that afternoon, I got home, and I was just praying, and I was just sort of down, and I thought, man, I just didn't deliver. And I get a text from Aaron Miller. It was one of the sweetest, the most encouraging. See, God knew that. See, when I fail, he, he doesn't. She had two friends visiting who were not believers, kind of skeptical. But they left here at least not quite as skeptical. They left here questioning. And Aaron was so encouraging. See, I can be confident that the Word of God is alive it is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that the Word of God uses that term, two-edged sword, in referring to the written Word and in the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that interesting? And look what it is. It is sharp. It is piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Dividing asunder the natural from the spiritual. Dividing asunder that soul that every man has. Every man has a soul. But the lost man... His spirit is dead. Spirit is dead. And it's not until 
God quickens it, makes it alive, that he can respond to, to spiritual truth. The only thing that, that, that natural man can understand is that Christ died for his sins, was buried, and rose again. A natural man can believe that, Christ, that he's a sinner and that Christ died for him. And the moment he believes that, he is quickened. It is the Word of God that can divide between the soul and the spirit. It's the Word of God that causes man to hear it and, and, and believe. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel. They hear the gospel. Chapter 5. His position is high priest. We got to save that for next week. You need to understand who Melchizedek is. And I'll give you a better understanding of who Christ Jesus is. Because they're one and the same. Both eternal. So if that's okay with you. Anyone oppose? All those in favor? Okay. Okay. We'll finish up Hebrews next week, prayerfully. It's just there's so much truth that we need to understand. But you need to understand his position, our Lord's position as high priest and what he's able to accomplish as not only the high priest, but the sacrifice that he takes to the heavenly temple of God and lays down. It's himself. Talk about the author of eternal salvation. He is. What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God we have who offers salvation. And we've not even gotten into the part about that He is the captain of our salvation. That He, that he is the, the author and finisher of salvation or faith. Author and finisher of faith. That's so important that we understand what that's talking about. How critical His faithfulness is on your behalf. And folks, He's faithful. This morning I pray that each and every one of you knows, you know the Lord Jesus. By faith you've trusted. You believe that Christ Jesus died for your sins. You realize you're a sinner. You realize that you're lost. You realize you can't save yourself. You realize there's none righteous, no, not one. That includes you. But there was one who indeed was righteous, perfect. The man Christ Jesus, God's only begotten Son, God Himself, God in the flesh, who paid the debt that you owed. It's not a fairy tale, folks. It's not a made-up story. This plan of salvation was designed by the Creator 
and sustainer of all universes so that you could be reconnected, reconciled to him. What an amazing God we have. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for loving us the way you do. We thank you for the salvation that we have in Christ. Father, we come acknowledging that there is so much about your word that we don't understand. But Father, what a joy, how exciting it is to be students, to be Bereans, to keep our nose in the book and to study faithfully that we may know you more and more each and every day. Father, may we as believers in Christ not neglect the word of God. And Father, if there's any lost person here, may they not neglect that salvation that's offered to them through Christ. May this be the day that they settled that all-important issue and by faith believe in Christ Jesus. Believe that he died for them, that he was buried for them, that he rose for them. Believe the gospel. Father, we pray these things. In Christ's holy and most precious name. Amen.